0: It is seven twenty-one twenty-three. Seven twenty-one twenty-three. Sort of lucky, isn't it? Twenty-one and seven. Yeah. All right. Well, it's common sense, Ohio. If that makes any common sense to you, figure it out and give us a shout. You can do that at commonsenseohioshow.com, where you can uh, ask us uh, to cover topics. You can check out Norm's blog, Brett's blog, and mine. Still lagging behind, but uh, one of these days I'll have a blog. I promise. I promise. Uh, And this is all about common sense, as anybody who's a regular listener knows. And we're starting to get listeners all over, down in Florida, I think Texas, uh, and, you know, around Ohio. Uh, We've had different guests over the last year or so uh, to share their common sense with us. And that's what we're going to do today. We've got Norm, obviously, in the studio. Brett's in the studio. And we're going to interview—we're going to introduce— uh bernie marino who is a candidate for the united states senate uh he's here in the studio with us and and, you know bernie you might be the first guest we've had actually had the interest in coming down and checking out the studio so well thank you for that everybody else sort of tunes in remotely uh on zoom or otherwise so uh uh norm why don't you take it from there introduce introduce what uh, our guest here
1: sure i i don't want to go on too long let bernie uh go ahead and uh you know give us his uh profile but uh, Bernie, this is off your Wikipedia page, not not yours, but, you know, Wiki's page. Uh, so if I get anything messed up, but uh, you came here as a first-generation immigrant. I did. Which is just totally exciting. And what also is really cool, folks, is I think under the Constitution, Bernie is ineligible to be president, so that means he can be unfettered, he doesn't have to think about consequences of, you know, later office, higher office. He
2: can be the real guy in the U.S. Senate. That's actually my superpower. That, that's because, superpower. I mean, it is because, you know, what happens is I don't worry about my decisions affecting New Hampshire or Iowa or South Carolina. I'm going to be the guy that just worries about getting things done for Ohio and know that my career will be over after two terms because that's that's what I'm going to serve, two terms, wow. and then come home. And I think that's what it should be. Wow, that did that, you read my notes? I was going to
0: ask
3: that about the for ter- term yeah. limit. Well, I'm the chairman Seriously. of U.S.
0: Well, I'm the chair
2: of U.S. Term Limits.
1: For That's Ohio. why I was going to yeah. ask you Absolutely. about the,
3: the, you being a part of that, and also term limits. It's, there goes one question. It, <laughs> it, I mean, so, yeah. I,
1: it, so Bernie's family, I, I I believe, came from Bogota, Colombia. Uh, he's the youngest of uh, seven. Seven, yeah, mm-hmm. and six boys uh, and a girl. And and so he and he and he made it. In my industry, now I'm just a little micro uh, race car uh, uh, auto parts supplier, but Bernie – uh, graduated uh, as a Wolverine up in Michigan. Not going to hold that against him. Great school. That that part we can edit out. <laughs> <airs in Columbus. laughs> I actually, uh, being from Cincinnati, I cheered for the Wolverines for many years. And when I came to Columbus, well, that wasn't going to work.
0: Wait a minute. How, how does Cincinnati have anything to do with the Wolver- I mean, you said you were in Cincinnati as if it's common for Cincinnati people to like Michigan.
1: They have the coolest helmets. <laughs> that's, well, that, that's, it, but that's
0: that's it's irrelevant as far as Cincinnati. Well, yeah, I know,
1: but uh, when you're a kid, you know, the Bengals
0: have the worst helmets. But that's, well, uh, here uh, we so go. That's a, yeah.
1: uh So Bernie, uh, you know, cut his teeth at Saturn, which was a very experimental division of General Motors, no longer around. Just like Pontiac's not around. Those
0: are the undentable cars.
1: Oldsmobile. <laughs> old right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That that was, that polymer
0: was,
2: panels. It was
1: super high tech, and Bernie, when he was 14, if I got this story straight, wrote a letter, or or maybe 16, to Roger Smith, who was uh, CEO of General Motors, and Bernie had all these ideas, and Saturn pretty much did everything he put in that letter. Uh, Aluminum engine, I mean, on and on and on, all this cool stuff, and so a lot of people think Saturn really should still be
2: here. Well, it was about changing General Motors, changing the culture of General Motors, Starting with a clean sheet of paper, it reminds me of washington, d c honestly, because back then the car business was really broken. you You pretty much have a scenario in those big corporations where people who work there think about themselves, their career, their decision is the lens of does this help me get my next promotion, my next big thing, increase my salary, yeah. versus what's good for dealers? What's good for customers? What's good for the company? What's good for the workers? That's not what happened back then in the car business and it's exactly what's wrong with DC today. Yeah. And and
1: the car business. This this guy the head it this is my own editorial. It's not Bernie's words, obviously, but the current head of the UAW seems intent on having a strike right now, you know, in his verbiage. And and that's not good.
2: I mean. well, well, so there is a, there is something legitimate going on there, though, which is that the government is pushing electric cars to the point where it's becoming a mandate. Yes. Think of like what we went through with COVID with the vaccine. It wasn't the vaccine was good or bad as the conversation. The big conversation was, do I, the government, get to tell you what to do? Yeah. And so yeah. what's happening with electric cars is that same thing yeah ohio is our the largest producer of internal combustion engines as a state in the country internal combustion engines uh, jobs are plentiful in america and china is the world leader in, in electric car technology they control 80 percent of the base minerals so i think what the uaw is concerned about is if we rush through the down the cliff of going towards mandating electric cars killing internal combustion engines, where does that have an impact on jobs? Okay. And so that's a yeah. legitimate concern.
1: Oh, now. hell yeah. Yeah, no, very good. No, let me ask you good. a question
0: because, you know, I, you're speaking my language. I cannot stand when the government uh, tries to overreach and, and regulate the private business sector. And, and certainly constitutionally, there's a basis to do that. You know, you can say that uh, auto manufacturers impact interstate commerce. And if you follow the constitutional uh, history of that, the, the, Congress would have the power. But it's not like the regulations always come Directly, sometimes they come indirectly. How is it, what's the lever of control that the U, that the government, the federal government, is exercising over the auto industry? How are they doing it? Is it by other regulations, sort of, ad, sort of uh, maybe collaterally impacting the industry, or is it a direct do this or else?
2: Well, right now they're doing it through the EPA with tailpipe, t- tailpipe emissions. So basically, they're setting a standard by twenty thirty two that can only be met with electric cars because that that rule is designed for electric cars. What they're saying is that two thirds of all cars made by twenty thirty two have to be electric, but the natural market demand is seventeen percent. This is not my words, this is a McKinsey study that was just completed. So you're you're asking to move consumer behavior by fifty points. That's trillions of dollars of government subsidies. And at the end of the day, you aren't really solving a problem because you're putting there's not enough lithium to power these cars, the, the lithium mining is absolutely awful for the environment. The batteries are uh, are very heavy. So you end up with much heavier vehicles that go through tires much more frequently. Uh, the batteries become obsolete. So think of your iPhone. What did you do with your last seven iPhones, by the way? right? They're sitting in a dump somewhere. Imagine that's your car. So for the working class Americans, that eight to fifteen thousand dollar car is critical. That's how they get to work, right? That's the car they can buy. They can't afford a new fifty thousand dollar car. Well, that car won't exist because an eight thousand dollar fully electric vehicle that needs a brand new battery. Well, that battery costs twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So wow. you destroy the car market segment that working class Americans rely on. And that's Sherrod Brown. That's what he's pushing for. Wow. And yet at the same time, he says he's for the working man. But yeah. well, look what he's doing to him. He's killing him in the jobs. And no better example than Lordstown, Ohio. So Lordstown was a or five, 6,000 union workers producing the Chevy Cruze, great plant, doing a great job. Rather than Sherrod Brown going there proactively, figuring, hey, how do you stay here? What he did is absolutely nothing because Lordstown Motors came in. It was basically a Ponzi scheme, by the way. Took hundreds of millions of dollars of government aid, promised this bright electric future, and now the company's bankrupt. Yeah, I remember that. It was big headlines, and I'm like, who are they going to sell these cars to? You know. Yeah. And we, we had proposed, I had proposed with a bit, very substantial business partner to go in there, keep the plant open. We would be the customer. Uh, we were going to create a rival to Uber and Lyft called, you got it, cruise, right? You cruise to work, you cruise home. The cars would all be made in red, white, and blue. Uh, this, uh, the uh, drivers would be standardized, uniform, very well trained. And we went to General Motors with that proposal. And General Motors heard us out. I sat with Mary Barrow and her executive team. Wow. And at the end of the day, The answer was we have this other option called Lordstown Motors, to which I argued and said, guys, that car is never going to make it. It's commercially unviable. They don't have the money. They don't have the backing. Everything they're saying isn't true. But GM went with that option. Where was Sherrod Brown? He was on the side of Lordstown Motors. Wow.
0: Hmm. So what's the, you know, I guess, I I just jumping ahead a little bit because I was going to ask this question. I, I Googled you. And the first thing I see in sort of the legacy mainstream media is that I, I see, you see like mega republican or or you know all these sort of derogatory conservative type words but this doesn't necessarily sound conservative i mean you know the traditional platform would be uh for the other side maybe to say we're going to protect the workers we're going to protect the unions we're going to do uh we're going to do what we can to preserve these jobs so i, I guess it, it, what is your brand of conservatism if if you have one and uh and where does it where does it lie when when you have this Government intervention into the private business, like how far should it go, and, and, and where does it stop, and what can you do if you're in DC to stop it?
2: Well, we should always have policymakers that are looking out to grow uh, our middle class. I think that's what President Trump did is redefine the Republican Party that way that we're the party of the working class, we're the party that's going to put America first. Uh, that those are just your 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 podcast common sense ideas. You don't want a par- political party that's looking out for one group versus another. Everybody can agree that we need a growing, thriving middle class. I came from a country where you have the very, very wealthy and then everybody else. And that tears at the social fabric. And what we've seen is our middle class declined quite a bit over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, We've given it to China. You look at China's middle class, it's grown at the same time that our middle class has dropped. I'm going to give you guys a crazy stat that you remember. You ready for a crazy stat of the day? If you go to 1949, Six of the 14 wealthiest cities in America were in Ohio. Toledo, really? Youngstown, Columbus, Dayton, Akron, uh, 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 Cleveland was number two. Today, 2023, none of the top 30 wealthiest cities are in Ohio. And the top 15 are all either California, uh, Massachusetts, or Washington, D.C. Wow! That's how much the heartland yeah. has been stripped out over the last 60, 70 years Uh, And that's why people are so angry and that's why we've been able to move a lot of these classical Democrat working class voters to the Republican side because they see guys like Sherrod Brown says, I I hear you saying the words that you're on my side, but I also see the reality of what's happening in my town. And President Trump was one that says, I'm standing up for you for the forgotten man and woman of America. And that's who we have to advocate for.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the common jokes, sometime even on this show, is people will say, "You know, Trump was the only Democrat I've ever voted for." You know, and in large part, he's like a t- that was sort of a traditional Democrat uh, uh, platform to go in and protect the working po- working folks, protect the small towns, and sort of be the champion for that voice that that people otherwise didn't hear in D.C. And Trump switched it. He did. Yeah. And
2: you look mm-hmm. at the the, the Democrats of today; they're the party of big business. They're the, they're yeah. the party of giant banks, giant corporations, multinational companies, very well-connected elites. Uh, That's who they are right now. I mean, you look at where Sherrod Brown's going to get his money from in this campaign. It's going to be Hollywood. It's going to be Wall Street. It's going to be big tech. Uh, Where I'm going to get my money from is that truck driver, the middle-class worker, the carpenter, the mill worker. Those are the ones that are going to contribute to my campaign. That's who I'm going to fight for. And that lens is for everything, whether it's foreign policy, energy policy, ag policy. You know, we need food security. We need to protect our farmers uh, Sherrod Brown wants these big, giant, multinational companies to own our farms and our farmland. He allows China to come in and buy our farmland, which is insane. Allows the Chinese government to come in and buy land next to our military bases. That should never be allowed. Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah,
1: again, not common sense, right?
2: Yeah, right, yeah. I mean,
1: if yeah. if if the Bernie Marino uh, dealership uh, uh, conglomerate wanted to go to China and buy property, they wouldn't allow you to do that, but we allow them to buy yeah. property here. It, it, we're, we're still not on an any, anything approaching an equal, respectful, you know, interchange with China. It's a, right. it's a one-way system, and, you know, this past couple of weeks, it's kind of symbolic, all the bowing, you know, like Janet Yellen and, and uh, John Kerry and these people, when they go to China, they, they look like they're submissive. They,
2: them. They they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when an American company goes there to do business, it's a 5149. They're the minority partner. Yes. They go in there. They steal our intellectual property. They then, of course, uh, copy what we do. That company goes out of business. And but that CEO who made that decision doesn't last long enough in his position to have those ramifications that happens to the next guy, but that CEO makes a fortune during that period of time. He's yeah. got the golden parachute. He's got the golden and parachute, the, right, right exactly. Another and,
0: parallel to American politics, right? So you have, you know, this is a Thomas Sowell idea where you know you have these, you, and right now I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call it what it is. A lot of the Democrats will come in with these sort of like individual platforms, like we're gonna forgive student loans or we're gonna do this. It's just sort of these ad hoc things that sound really good. Yeah. And then they all fail miserably. And the, rant, the fallout doesn't happen until after they're out of office. And then the next guy will have to deal with it and get to blame for the problem. And then the Dems will say, well, we just, you just didn't let us do enough. You know, if we, if we could only spent more of your money, we yeah. would have made it work. Um, and, it's, and it seems like you're recognizing that in a very real sort of grassroots way. With, uh, with your platform.
2: No, absolutely. And these guys make a lot of money, let's be honest. I mean, oh, yeah. you would never think it. Like if somebody said to you, hey, how did you make so much money? How did you become so successful? Typically, as I did this, I created this, I had this idea. Mm-hmm. There's, I was an elected official, yeah, which is crazy. Like, how, right. wait, how is Nancy Pelosi worth $300 million, Chuck Schumer, 80, Barack Obama, $190 million? Yeah, uh, Being a public elected official, that's not the way any person would think that you should be able to make money yeah. and we got to go back to the model which is do something in your life go serve your country come home yeah that's not what we have today we weren't intended to have a political
3: class and we shouldn't have one Oop, yeah well, you've, got, you've got your 15 priorities on on the website oh um, i want to go back to awesome the, yeah. the, the the you mentioned beat communist china can you elaborate a little bit on because we're on that train right now talking about it so what are some ideas that you're thinking about trying to get accomplished i mean because 15 priorities God bless you. I hope you can do it. <laughs> it's, well, 12, it's a lot. Twelve, to do. 12 it's years. A, Twelve years. Yeah, 12 so, years. So, but, but, but but can you talk about it? Because we're on that on on that conversation right now about beating China. I think it's a problem. It it obviously we just talked about. Well, what are some ideas you're thinking about trying to implement to t- to help? Well, especially sh-
2: Ohioans. Shorter term, we have to be uh, logical about the way we have a relationship with China. We don't right. want to go to war with China, by the way. Let's right. just make that crystal clear. Right. Right. We're also, by the way, the party of peace. The left is the party of war. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, We don't have a good relationship with China, but a lot of these guys don't know how to negotiate, right? You have to have, when you go into a negotiation, you've got to win, but I got to win too. It can't be one-sided. And when I say we, meaning the country, America's got to win. So with China, you have to reset the relationship. You know, in China, I've been there a bunch of times. You, you, They control everything there. They know that these base chemicals are coming to Mexico. They know those chemicals are being used to, to uh, make fentanyl. And they know fentanyl is killing 100 plus thousand Americans. They know that. So you say to them, listen, you got a choice. We want to be a good partner with you. We want to have a decent trade relationship with you that's fair. You do that. You can't have this. It's a choice with China. Mm -hmm. So, you want to end our relationship, you keep sending those chemicals, but we're not even doing that. That's what's, think about how crazy that is. Like, if you knew your next door neighbor was poisoning your water in your well, Mm -hmm. would you not go over and have a conversation with them and say, hey, I can't invite you to the picnic if you keep doing that? So, that's number one. But then it goes back to also other things like this woke ideology. This idea that you wake up one day a man and the next day a woman, and that our military is obsessed with thinking about woke culture, woke ideology. This is why we're losing soldiers. Because you know, fighting and being in the military is a family business. It's typically the dad, the you know, the son, the grandkid. Well, they don't want their kids to be in there because they're sick of the nonsense. So we have to make certain we're doing that and education in our schools. What are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching them to be the best in the world, to compete with the best engineers all over the planet? We're teaching them how to be soft and weak and think about all these other things that should should not be taught at schools. So, that's, you know, so competing with China is a 360, right? We have to really fundamentally change a lot of parts of our society.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, you're really. You're, I mean, your focus is. I mean, that's a cultural argument, right? We need to. We need to sort of get get back to culture and say what's important here is going to be teaching our kids a traditional education, a classical education, not not just cram full of woke nonsense. But and then you know, if you if you take that all the way up to its highest level, then we get back to the point where Americans sort of breed this, um, you know, the old citizen soldier argument. You know, we, because we are American citizens, we have this capability of creative and intellectual thought. It's not just a one-sided ideological mess. like, uh, And that's what we're competing against it with China. Is that they, are, they are cramming down, you're gonna be this and you're gonna be the best at this one thing, and that's how it's gonna be. So we're almost like we're taking on drones.
2: What I can tell you as somebody who came from a different country, from Colombia, if you look at what makes America unique and different, like what do you feel differently here than when I do back when I'm visiting relatives in Colombia? It's this idea of American exceptionalism, that we are the greatest country on Earth, That our model, our business model, is about working really hard, merit, perseverance, right? The pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, that's what made America what it is. This Western kind of, hey, the country started on the East Coast, but look at this Western expansion of really just going through grit and determination. That's what is America, uh, we're losing that. We're, we're, we're now fighting the grievance Olympics yeah, today yeah. right in America. And we got to get past all that as a society if we're really serious about taking on China. But let me make it clear. China wants to lead the world. America has led the world for the last 75 years. And as a result, the world is more prosperous, more secure, and more, more free. A, a Chinese view of that is every one of those things would be very, very different. Oh, no
1: question. Yeah, no question. A, yeah, no, no question. I, there's, this,
0: I, there's almost like there's this notion out there that, that because America has done bad things in its history, then we shouldn't be the, the world leaders, that other people will be better at it. And, you know, if, if nothing else, you look at it like there's a vacuum out there. And who's going to fill it if we don't? You know, it's going to be China because it's not going to be Spain. It's not going to be France. It's not going to be these, uh, it's not going to be uh, the Scandinavian socialist utopias. You know, it's going to be China if we don't do something. Oh. And uh, that that's what. This is the common sense that we look for on this show is people actually say this kind of stuff out loud because it just makes sense.
1: Bernie, I, I, I've got to ask, because of your family's um, history of, uh, you know, coming from Colombia. if I understand right, your father was a
2: surgeon. Is that yep. correct? So, so In, in Colombia, my dad was actually the dean of the medical school, wow. uh, secretary of health. And then, uh, my mom decided one day in december of seventy one that she wanted us to to grow up very differently okay uh, so we didn 't come to the u s with nothing, but we had a very different life when yeah. we arrived in America, nine of us living in a two bedroom apartment versus what we had in Colombia. My dad, when he got to the U.S. six months later, because he, he wasn't 100% on board with the program okay. at that point, uh, but he was making $5 an hour as a surgical assistant. Wow. Uh, my mom would have us at the flea market selling Colombian trinkets on Saturdays. Wow. Uh, she realized that a lot of people would want to move to South Florida, or at least have a place in South Florida from South America, okay. got a real real estate license, and both of them, because of America, Became very very successful, and watching that That's was really uh, really informed who I am today. Yeah, it's a
1: Horatio Alger story. You were kind of alluding to that. Go west, young man that that attitude that Ronald Reagan, frankly, with his General Electric Theater, and then later in his political career, governor of uh, California and president for two terms he he started that "Make America Great Again" phrase that Trump picked up on uh, picked up on. But he had that sunny city, shiny city on the hill, America, as the you know, as a concept that we strive to make greater and better, and it's it's never perfect. But that idea that if you put yourself, you know, against the wheel, that you can have a great outcome, that the opportunities are here, and your family and your personal story of taking a, a beat-up uh, Mercedes-Benz dealership on the west side of Cleveland and turning it into this 15 dealerships in four states, over a billion in sales, is truly incredible. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tribute to your acumen, but, I mean, it had
2: to be working 24 hours a day. It, it was hard work. Yeah, but that's what that's what America's all about. You know, it's, I think sometimes when you live in that shining city on the hill, and never lived anywhere else yeah. versus you saw that city on a hill yeah. and you appreciate it that much more. Yeah. I think that's what's wrong with uh, a lot of what we have going on today. I think Americans have taken for granted how great and special this country is. For sure. And you have to fight for it. Yeah. It doesn't happen automatically. Reagan told us that in nineteen eighty nine. You know, I'll give you another stat that will blow your mind. So Reagan, his famous uh, Farewell Address to America, cool. which is a 45-minute speech, by the way, <laughs> when, yeah. which think about the, in today's 30-second uh, you know, yeah. th- videos, uh, mm-hmm. we don't watch many 45-minute uh, ones. He talked about, of course, freedom is one generation away. It's very famously quoted. But back then, he also had a little regret. He said he didn't do enough. That government was still too big. Government was still too omnipresent. At that point, government was 8% of our GDP. 8% in 1989, it's 34% today. Wow. 34%. He that. said Go- government is not the solution. It is the problem. Right. And I think that's what defines my candidacy in the primary versus my opponents, especially State Senator Dolan. He views government as not doing enough. I view government as doing too much. I think we need to get government to the to largest out of the way. Government can set guardrails, but government isn't going to solve all your problems. And I think that we've gotten a whole host of elected officials over the last 10 20 30 years that want to tell you that government's going to solve all your problems yeah when in reality if you really strip it back government causes enormous amounts of problems it interferes in markets we talked about that with electric cars mm. we need if you want we need more housing here in central Ohio is that crystal clear to everybody right wow. absolutely but, so what's government's role how about getting the building permits happening faster right right not having the EPA and the, and the Ohio uh, Department of of environment uh, find half of a frog leg and now you need to do a 10-year frog leg study. Those are the things no that will question. clear yeah. uh, the, the, the way a lot more than government subsidies, government incentives. In Cleveland, we have a huge crisis in homicides. Huge problem yeah. with uh, with mm-hmm. like you do here in Columbus. Yeah, The mayor's answer is let's give $10,000 incentives for people to become police officers. Would you let your son be a police officer in, in the Columbus PD or in the Cleveland PD? Sadly, You'd be worried about that, but what should we be doing? We should be make, making the police heroes in the community, right? Making certain that you know, wow, you're a police officer. We're going to really honor you and respect your job, but what are we doing? We're crushing them, making them feel like they're the bad guys. Right? It's simple stuff, uh, common sense, Yeah, uh, but, sense. but it's a lot yeah. of that. That's really what's missing. So I, I was intrigued by your podcast, actually, because... Uh, that, those two simple words, common sense, is exactly what's missing from Washington, D.C.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, it doesn't apply. I mean, look, we, there's no question about it, we all sort of lean conservatively, but it's like it should apply everywhere. Everybody should just, just take a common sense, go approach at these problems and then solve them. And that's why I'm so intrigued by a candidate like you. You know, you, you come from the business world where you can't, you, you can't just go virtue signal succeed in <laughs> fact quite the opposite you would be right. crushed like a grape you know so it's like uh, and maybe that's the next question it's like what, what do you think you can bring uh, maybe versus uh, other people who have either tried or who are running against you uh, based on your your business background because it started at zero and you build it I mean w- what do you bring to the table that others in DC are missing well I
2: understand accountability I understand how to make compromises when I need to when to stay strong when I'm not I know how to negotiate Uh, I I understand also that uh, what leadership really means, which is bringing people from one place to another. I think one of the things that I talk about all the time on a campaign trail, because it, it, it bothers me to hear people say, I hate those liberals, right? The Bible teaches us to hate the sin and love, and love the sinner.
0: It's like Norm, he loves everybody. I say that
2: every time. But that's
0: really yeah. important it conceptually is important,
2: because we're right. Americans, right? That's we're right. all the same. Now, I may hate your ideas. That's right. But then my job, because I love you, is to move you to a better place where you open your eyes to thinking about things a little bit differently. Right. And you know, let's be honest, the, the corporate media is the biggest culprits here. They're the ones who are really stirring up this hatred and vile political dialogue where we can't sit down and have an agreeable conversation, even though we may disagree. You know, you mentioned about how I'm described, right? A Trump backed MAGA extremist. If I was a liberal running for the United States Senate, it would be Bernie Marino, Hispanic immigrant with compelling life story and rose petals would be showered upon me when I drove down high street. Uh, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we should be, we should be, talking about the battlefield of ideas what are your ideas what are his ideas which ideas resonate more
3: and will work better and we've talked about that around the table a lot too is understand where people are coming from to this point hear their story and understand why they think they do because it's legitimate no totally Because it's our life How, how can we say that they don't see it that way
2: right at saturn we used to have a great expression equally informed people seldom disagree and the Problem to a large extent in politics today is not everybody's equally informed. Uh, I will say make the case because I see it every day that I think uh, conservatives are much more informed. I think liberals tend to buy into what they see on CNN and MSNBC. I think when we watch Fox News, we may watch it and say we know it's an opinion show. Like we understand it's an opinion show. Uh, When but when the the left watches CNN, it's they view that as one hundred percent fact.
0: That's yeah, fact. I used to make that argument to everybody. It's like at least Fox News admits it. They admit their bias. You know, it's like they're they 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 come from a conservative angle. They they have opinions. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. But the, the idea that you tout yourself, CNN or MSNBC, as being the truth, when clearly it's not right, I and mean, clearly it's it's all slanted uh, in a very obvious direction. That's when it gets sinister. Because I think you're right. I think people tend to buy it, and then they. Uh, uh, they just adopt those ideals without any due consideration of what they're actually believing in. I think it's like this external belief structure. People ascribe to it to answer all their decisions, right or wrong. I can't question that. It is what it is. And that's what I think that's our woke ideology right now.
1: Yeah. the uh, Bernie, one of the things that happened in Colombia that is illustrative of, you know, flagrant disregard for justice and disregard for, uh, the citizens having any kind of confidence in in a in a legal uh, system, in a, um, a a law enforcement system, was when uh, Escobar blew up the Supreme Court building and destroyed all of the paper records, anything to do with his imprisonment and his trial, because he didn't like the outcome. And we see here in America, if not outright burning down of courthouses like it happened uh, during BLM Antifa uh, a couple of years ago, where that was tried and and we we lost a couple of police stations, but now a more insidious kind of misuse. These uh, hearings that uh, Congressman Jim Jordan here from Ohio on the weaponization of the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, IRS, you know, you go down the list and, and we see the kind of persecution Uh, whether we're going to vote for Donald Trump or DeSantis or who that is. But when we see a president tied up in, you know, six or seven cases, it's clearly political. And when we see Hunter Biden and Joe Biden taking what now appears to be completely authenticated evidence, bribes from foreign countries, including China and Ukraine, uh, obviously none of that is sitting well with the American people. And what I fear is like the citizens of Colombia, we're going to get to a point of cynicism where people just think the system is not there for them. It's there for, you know, the anointed. And and that seems to me to be a, a corrosive element that could destroy the country from within unless we fix
2: it. Yeah. So if you think the way I think about democracies is I think of it like a brick wall. The bricks are uh, are fundamental uh, elements of democracy, but the mortar that binds it all is faith in these institutions. Over COVID, we've lost faith in our healthcare institutions. With Joe Biden, we've lost faith in our government. Uh, the media, we've lost faith in the media a long time ago. Long time. Critical institution in a democracy, but now we're losing trust in our criminal justice system. Uh, The FBI, the DOJ, again, it's not whether you like President Trump or not. That's not the question. The question is, we all know crystal clear. If President Trump was losing in the polls or not running at all, there would be zero of these cases would be brought forward. So you look at it and go, we need to have a fundamentally fair justice system. I said this to a reporter that came out to an event yesterday. I said, if there's any group... That should be most curious and most on the forefront is the media saying, wait a second, a sitting United States president with his attorney general who did not become a Supreme Court justice because of the opposing party is prosecuting, persecuting his chief political rival. Like If, the, if we were providing foreign aid to a country that was doing that, we would eliminate our foreign aid until that changed. And yet here we are in America, and it's very, very dangerous because there's not a lot of mortar left. And once all the mortar's gone, the bricks just collapse. And that's what I'm worried about. That's why I'm running. Because if we allow this country to go off the cliff, uh, we can't be the—we, those of us in this room, those of us who are listening, cannot be the first generation in American history that leaves this country worst— for our kids and our grandkids in the way we got it yeah like i'm sure. not prepared to do that i i love my kids i love my grandbaby two on the way i can't do that i can't say to them hey i had a great ride america was great for me but look at i'm leaving it to you broken shattered all these institutions destroyed and completely and fundamentally broke like that's morally reprehensible i don't think we will i'm very optimistic i think we will leave this country in better shape but it's going to require a lot of us to work really really hard
3: no i think a majority of us feel that way. I think we do. You, you push comes to shove, it just has to be brought out. It's like, no, I, I don't want that to happen. I, but I think a lot of us are handcuffed going, but what do we do? Well, we have to you get know, unco- I think that's the question. What can I do as a citizen of this United States? Other than vote, of course, and listen. Well, it's it's not enough. Uh, we have to get uncomfortably
2: engaged to the point where you think, man, but I have so many other things to do. Why am I doing this? I meet so many people say, like, I don't do politics. Okay, well, that that's not it's not an option anymore.
3: That's not an option anymore. Yeah, an option anymore. Yeah, you have right. to fight
2: for this country, and what, it doesn't mean you have to run for office like I'm doing. But you can be a poll watcher. You can make phone calls. You can pass out yard signs. You can post thoughts on social media. You can go out there and put yourself out there and, and talk about these things. Well, you guys are doing you're doing that with this podcast. Yeah. So I, the, all of us have to do a lot more, to a little bit more, depending on how much we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, because the other side is relentless. Let's just face it, We, you know, the, this state is a 65-35 state. 65% of the people in the state would agree with most of what we're talking about here. But that 35% is so incredibly loud that we feel like it's a 90-10 situation, right? Like they're 90%. It's not. Yeah. But we aren't vocal. We, we shut down. We say, ah, I don't want to get into conflict. You got to go out there and you got to fight. Yeah.
0: Well, that's uh, which is which is a lot about what we try to do here, I guess. The idea, the common sense idea sort of uh, was born, at least for me, to some extent, in a courtroom. Right. You can't just go in and start screaming at juries and win a case. You have to come at them with common sense. And what I found and and Brett, you see this all the time in your in your podcast business. When we get people around this roundtable, irrespective of what their political bent is, we all tend to agree on most stuff. Um, and then I can explain our position to them in a commonsensical way. I've had actually people listen to me all the way, nodding the whole way down, and then I have somebody in the corner sort of saying, they have no idea that you just turned them into a conservative, you know, because we all agree on what the problems are and what makes common sense, and then the rest of it is rhetoric.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And again, again, it goes back to this idea of uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, And if you really believe that, then you say, How do I rescue them? And you look at things like, for example, this insane transgender movement, right? Uh, My oldest son is gay. I think the idea of accepting people who are gay, who are adults, who want to live their life that they have decided, I think most of us are to the point where we accept that. That's not 100%, 100%. But but sexualizing children, giving kids gender mutilation surgery, that's not. That's, no, that's wrong. Uh, The the child isn't in a position to make that decision. A five year old doesn't even know what it means to be a boy versus a girl, right? You don't change genetics that way. Uh, I was in New York City three and a half weeks ago visiting my daughter who lives on Sixth Avenue and you had men completely naked walking down the street, completely naked by the way. I'm not talking about they just had underwear on, I'm talking about full blown naked, on bikes, on scooters, walking, and interacting with children. When did that become legal? Uh, women were topless. That's what does that have to do with being gay? That's Nothing. just a hedonistic display yeah. where you're where you're have this moral decay highlighted by that. Those things we can fight against, right? Yeah. That we can say that's crystal clear wrong, and we have to speak clearly about that and not be say, "Oh, you hate gay people. I don't hate gay people." At all. it's it's not about being gay. It's about hating the idea that you would do that to a child, right? That well, that, that alphabet yeah. soup
1: is not a community. No. Uh, you and I both know a lot of gay people. And I, personally I don't know any of them. And none of my friends that are gay suffer from pedophilia. None yeah, of them exactly. none of them are looking to have relationships no. with little boys or little girls, whether they're lesbian or gay. That they're fully adjusted adults. And so to lump all this together, LGT, whatever the you know, BLT sandwich thing, you know, that's ridiculous. Uh, And I think the trans movement uh, and the pedophilia movement and some of these other uh, fringe, uh, they're not really communities, to latch on to African-Americans' struggle for civil rights or to latch on to the gay community's uh, struggle for acceptance and civil rights is a false notion. Those are not communities that uh, the gays that I know do not support that kind of philosophy and certainly their parents of uh, little boys and girls and they don't want any predator uh interacting with their children
0: so it, uh, and again, it, con- it, no, none but, of it
2: makes sense and, and that's yeah. and I can't even imagine arguing the counterpoint for that and I it's mean, been it, well it's exactly been, yeah and it's yeah. been what we've societal norms for as long as we well it's not
0: the the problem is it's not an argument it's a shout down right so you're phobic about this you don't like this you must not like that let me let me let me change gears a little bit it's sort of in the same same notion i mean uh you were an immigrant and now we have this sort of open border thing going on um uh, where where do you where do you come down on that and how do you fix some of that's fix the border crisis that's happening
2: it's it's actually the main motivating factor that made me jump into this line of work uh How do you allow a country to open, leave its borders open and reward people who are violating our laws to come here illegally? When I came here legally, went through a rigorous process, had to learn English, learn the history of the country, uh, became a citizen, it was one of the greatest days of my life to be able to take that oath of citizenship. And I remember getting the certificate and feeling incredibly proud and then look at that and go, well, you're minimizing that. You're destroying that feeling that I had by rewarding these people who are coming here for handouts, violating our laws, and by the way, easily fixed. Easily fixed. We need to tell people if you cross our border illegally, you forfeit the right for asylum. We have to adjudicate asylum cases while the person stays in Mexico. We have to ask Mexico to keep the troops on the border. We have to finish the wall. We have to give Mexico the choice that Colombia made. You can be our largest legal trading partner or our largest illegal trading partner, but not both. And if you choose to be the illegal trading partner, the legal trade's going to go away. And obviously, I I believe Mexico will make the right decision. We then designate the drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, and we wipe them off the face of the earth, just like we killed Pablo Escobar, Yeah. Uh, by the way, and freed Colombia yes. as a result of that. Yes. And that's common sense. Nobody yeah. would say, and by the way, that's not an anti-immigrant position. Although, by the way... The editor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, who's a crazy activist, uh, says that I'm a Nazi sympathizer and oh hate immigrants God. and hate South Americans. To which, of course, my response is maybe a cousin or two, but uh, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everybody's got those in their family, right? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> That's crazy.
1: Well,
0: you make a good point, right? So, and I think Trump, to some extent, made this point when he said uh, Mexico was going to pay for the wall, you know. But what he was what he was really saying, I think, maybe not what he was really saying, but what's important about that notion is. There's there's really two things going on here. We're, we're, we've got our border open, and Mexico is doing nothing to stop it either. And I think both those problems need to be solved at the same time, or maybe the solution requires both those problems to be solved.
2: Well, the drug cartels are in charge of our, our immigration policy today. Yes. So if you if you had a friend, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to build a, an incredible constituent services operation. Like if you need something from the federal government when I'm your United States senator, you're going to think you're calling the Ritz Carlton of the Four Seasons. I mean, we're going to have uh, constituent service that nobody's ever seen anything like that in their lives. If you call me in that scenario today and I'm a senator and you said, Hey, I need help getting a friend to come to the U S to visit, get a visa wants to come here and work for six months and then go home. Impossible. Today it's impossible to come to America legally. Yeah. But if you want to come here illegally, fly to Mexico city, find a drug cartel member there at every corner They'll smuggle you across the border, and that's how you come to America. That's insane.
1: Yeah, I have a friend mm. uh, in England that is in a rock and roll band, pro- progressive rock band, older guy. And they, his band wanted to do a tour in the United States. And because, ostensibly, they'd earn a little bit of bar, you know, proceeds for for putting on their concerts, they would have to get, like, as you say, a visa. and it, it, they It's impossible. Be, impossible. Yeah. Mm. So... But, We're but, not even getting
2: artists to come here. Send them to Mexico City. They cross the border. <laughs> pay drug cartel a couple grand. And they're here for seven years with no problem. By the way, full benefits, a cell right. phone, unemployment insurance, SNAP benefits, everything that you could ever imagine. Unbelievable. There's no scenario in which that makes sense. No. But yet that's what the Biden, that's what the Democrats are doing. That's what the media is hiding. We have to fix that. We can fix that. We will fix that.
3: So are you looking at that the government of Mexico is, gone so far that they've lost control that they maybe can't fix what they've got down there oh yeah this is if you watch th- i mean how do we approach this yeah. I, I would encourage you to watch the show narcos
2: on netflix the oh, first yeah. season the oh, first yeah. season the other season's got a little dramatic that's like 98 percent accurate i live okay. that i had many 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 relatives that were okay. kidnapped killed uh you talked about the supreme court wasn't it? he just bombed the building he killed every member of the supreme court every single one he killed the leading presidential wow. candidate Uh, He would go to mayors of small towns and say, hey, nice to meet you. Good guy. I'm going to give you two choices. Uh, We're going to give you a million dollars, which would change your life forever. Or I'll murder every single member of your family, then you, and you'll watch it. Uh, Let me know tomorrow what you decide. And he walks out of your house. And these are impossible choices. He'd do that with police officers. The country was at the edge of being a collapsed nation. When we came in, we went to America and said we want to be a good partner. Uh, The American military came in. Uh, We killed Pablo Escobar. We wiped out the drug cartels. Uh, What's happening in Mexico is Colombia but times 100. Uh, These are much more ruthless people. What they're doing now is making billions and billions of dollars trafficking humans, trafficking children. Uh, I went to the border. I I met and visually saw four people cross the river. They arrived. Women were in tears. The men, I talked to them because I'm fluent in Spanish. They told the story that when they left Nicaragua, 20 small children were with them. They didn't know who they were. And the drug cartel members at night would get stoned, would get drunk, and they would throw the kids off the trains and off the buses to compete. Who could throw them further? Three of them were alive by the time the journey was over. The women had been raped along the way. They gave girls, young girls, 12, 13, 14 years old, birth control pills. That the, uh, the NGOs do because they know they're going to get raped. The men were beaten at gunpoint. This is what we're allowing. America, think about that. Our American leaders are allowing that to happen, enabling that to happen, and rewarding these drug cartels with billions and billions of dollars in annual revenue.
3: Mm.
1: Is it about votes, in your opinion? Is it about building that constituency of dependency on the federal government? Is that why, in particular, the Democrats, some of the, I, I have to say, some of the, uh, you know, business, big business, uh, like your agricultural combines that want cheap labor and, and other industries. So I have to say there is a little chamber of commerce uh, culpability, but it's mainly Democrats that seem interested in allowing this open border. Is, in your opinion, is it about building that constituency so that Texas turns blue, for example?
2: I wouldn't venture to guess because it would take me down a rabbit hole, but I think there's a fine line between being naive and just being stupid. Okay. Uh, I think they, they believe that it's America's moral duty uh, to solve the problems of the rest of the world. They view it as money that's not really there, so it's an esoteric comment. So we say we're going to spend billions and trillions of dollars helping other citizens in other countries. I'm not so interested in where the money comes from because it's certainly not my money.
1: Gotcha. In other words,
2: if if we go out somewhere and I'm spending your money, right, and not my money, I'm not so restrained, Yeah, <laughs> right? No, right. No. So I don't no. think about it right. too and much. Speaking, I
0: always say this, it's always easy to spend somebody else's money. Sure, oh, yeah. sure. So, so
2: they sure. look at it and say, look, we, you can walk down High Street here and things are pretty good, generally pretty good, right, in terms of compared to walking down the street of a, of a, of a developing nation. And so the idea to some of these radical leftists is that's fundamentally unfair. So it's America's duty to solve that problem. The incidentals of the stuff that we're just talking about right now is in their mind, I probably believe, collateral damage. Uh, maybe that happens, but at the end of the day, the ends justify the means, so wow. to speak. Wow. Uh, it's very sad yeah. uh, way mm-hmm. to think. But the reality is the Democrat party that I knew when I got to America, that that I remember my parents talking about, that we see with the Kennedys, and we see with Tip O'Neill.
1: yeah,
2: uh, That party's gone. Yeah, Ronald Reagan gone. was a Democrat. Right, that party is yeah. completely, the party that was uh, the party of the Mahoney Valley, yes. of Dayton, of, of right. Northwest Ohio, that party's gone. Right. And what it's be, been replaced with is this very fringy, um, the born in a uh, PhD lab in an East Coast University, progressive view of the world. And what's interesting about Sherrod Brown is that he is in that group, yes. like that's what he firmly that's believes. Right. The guy who went to Yale, yeah, he rep- but he represents Ohio. Like, how did that happen, right? Yes. So, right.
0: I mean, they'll they'll say it's fundamentally unfair that we have this prosperous uh, economy, and you know, we can debate about how prosperous it is right now, really. But they'll say it's unfair that we have this and they don't have that. Right. But they'll they'll never actually ask how did that happen, you know? Like, what what? Why are we so far advanced? Why do you walk down High Street and you see restaurants that are working? You see. Um, businesses thriving you've got your business going and it's not just because we're racist awful evil people it's like we have we are are the American ideal is we let individuals prosper on their own and come up with their own ideas and and do things sort of unfettered and unchecked by an overbearing government and it seems to work and so it seems like instead of talking about those things they're just saying it's unfair so we shouldn't have this And, and somehow if we give them everything we have it'll be fixed and yeah. it, it's, it, they they still don't have the prosperous business even after we give them all the money. It's still crap.
1: Yeah, a microcosm of that, Bernie, was this thing that uh, I saw in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The public school system there just removed advanced mathematics because they the school board there, I think Princeton's in Cambridge, right? One, one of the... No, 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 Harvard, Harvard, Harvard and Harvard MIT. Yeah, yeah Harvard and MIT. You. Yeah. The, the, one of the Ivies, so Harvard and MIT. So... The elementary school district in Cambridge decided no more advanced math because it's somehow racist because certain groups were doing better in math, you know, in terms of their identities, which, hey, Bernie couldn't help that he's Hispanic. I can't help I'm half Lebanese. Nobody can help how they're born. Who cares what
2: popular—didn't we just have a Supreme Court decision on this involving Harvard? Which which is great because, you know, I'll give you a quick story, so— my uh, youngest son gets to college a while ago, six, seven years ago, and he gets a letter three days before class starts that says, Hey, uh, we see that you're Hispanic. So we have special counseling and tutoring available for you. By the way, a student, 1,400 SAT, tons yeah. of AP classes. And somehow there's something wrong with him because his dad was born in South America. You know, the, the far left is very racist. Uh, a lot of uh, the easiest thing to understand the far extreme left is it's all about projection. So when they say assault and democracy, because that's what they're doing. When they say racism, it's because they're racist. It it really is the most incredible uh, display of projection I've ever, ever seen. You know, how do you assault democracy uh, when you're calling for freedom and liberty, right? During COVID, what were we calling for? I wasn't saying I didn't want to get vaccinated. I was saying I should make that choice, right? I wasn't saying that uh, the masks don't work because I'm some crazy person, but because masks didn't work. I'm not saying that the vaccine isn't good uh, but it certainly won't stop the spread of COVID, and yet you weren't even allowed to say that. Say it. Right? Discuss it. You weren't, yeah. right. And when, you, when somebody controls your thoughts, and uh, I'm sorry, when somebody controls your words, they're controlling your thoughts and ultimately controlling you, which is what this country, what we fought a revolution about. That that was the basis of the American Revolution is right. self-governance. Right. Uh, that's what our, our uh, I call it our vision statement, which is our Declaration of Independence talks about, right? That we we, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Right, that, those are the. That's the basis of America, and we keep trying to change that, even though it's really worked well. Well, let's talk yeah. about the horse race. So, it, this is the
1: ugly part, and you know. Ronald Reagan famously said, you know, there was the 11th commandment or whatever you know, he had some kind of phrase with yeah, you know, thou shalt not, uh, you know, tear down a fellow uh, republican and all that kind of thing. And you seem like you 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 remind me a lot of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. You're you're a sunny personality, you're upbeat, you're positive. You're not, uh, you, you know. I mean, you didn't throw any big bombs at at, at your two uh, primary opponents, uh, Frank and uh, and Matt, and I, you know, and 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 we're not, you know, we we didn't endorse, and we're not do, we're not in that business. But but the thing is about your approach seems to be not so negative, but you're bullish long term on America, and I I sense that from you. But in terms of the horse race, give us the important dates, Bernie, of the primary people need to register by when you know how do they back your candidacy and when do we know whether it's you as the Republican nominee if you could go
2: through that a little bit sure. so yeah. let's start at the, the, the backwards so May 19th is the primary so the good news is we live in Ohio so we'll know the night of May 19th who the winner <laughs> is I suspect that's gonna be me I wouldn't do this if I didn't think I was gonna win uh, early voting starts 30 days before that so call it February 19th, 20th is when um, uh, early voting starts. Uh, to get on the ballot, we have to submit our uh, about 1,000 names that are validated by December uh, 19th. Uh, I think the field is set now. I don't think there's any others jumping into the race. Uh, the important other piece is uh, fundraising is key because when you sit in front of somebody, they hear you, they hear your pitch, they get to know you, and they write you a check, uh, pretty certain they're going to vote for you. Uh, we broke an all-time fundraising record last quarter, raised almost $2.3 million, most of that from Ohio. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, Matt, who had been in the race for six months, um, put in $4 million of his own money, and after six months got $3.8 million left. So that means he's burning more money running his campaign that he's collecting from donors. That's not a good signal. Yeah. He he's has anemic fundraising. Again, he's standing in front of people, they're hearing his message, and they're not writing a check. Yeah, so that's that's telling you everything you need to know there. Uh, Frank's a nice man. Matt, Matt's a nice man. My perspective is, uh, you know, why I'm doing this. I've illustrated this in this in this uh, interview today. Um, I don't think that um, replacing Sherrod Brown, whose ne- number one problem is that he's never been in the private sector, with somebody else who's really never been in a private sector, isn't the kind of trade off that we want. I think the uh, good thing about Matt Dolan is that he really believes the thing he be- the things that he believes in but they're left of center ideas. They're not the ideas that most conservative Republicans do. Uh, but I give them credit for at least having those core beliefs. Uh, but I'm a conservative, unapologetic uh, about that. Uh, Frank I think is still trying to find who he is um, and I think voters see that. Uh, so I think when, they, when when, all said and done and, they, uh, and the voters have a chance to see the three of us, they'll make uh, the decision that I believe that they'll pick me. Here's, here's the thing that you'll never hear reported in the news. The left doesn't have that choice. Think about how crazy it is. So, if you're a Republican out there, you get three choices. That's pretty good, right? You got vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate, right? Uh, over and uh, the Democrat side, you got one, right? You got a gray-haired little white guy.
0: <laughs> that's, that's your choice. Yeah, there's
2: there there isn't anybody even brave enough. Allison Russo, Nina Turner, Amelia Sykes, right? Yeah, right. Uh, Casey Weinstein, right? Uh, uh, Justin Bibb. Where are all these guys? with any courage to run against Sherrod Brown uh, and at least give their voters a choice. Yeah. Right. I want more than one choice. Uh, we're, we're Republicans. We give our
3: voters choice. I think that's a good thing. We should, we should be happy about that. How do you stay healthy through all this fundraising and being in front of people? Well, uh, first watch the diet, right? Because uh, yeah, you know yeah. there's a lot of meals involved. It's, it's going to be a crazy life. <laughs> Isn't I mean, st- for, for every every person that goes through it? It's Isn't a- the
1: state
2: fair coming up?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there is, that's what yeah. Stay away right from the fried donuts. <laughs> 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 although are,
2: although in, I'll give a commercial to uh, to uh, Wayne County Best Donuts. Uh, Dallas, oh my god, it's Actually, unbelievable.
0: You, you, you got to go down to Circleville during the pumpkin show. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, Do
0: not call it
2: a festival. That's how they know you're not uh, a local. Well,
1: that <laughs> Italian district in Cleveland. I mean. I don't yeah, know how right. you stay out of yeah, there. Well, yeah.
2: by the way, the valley's got a great Italian food. But now I think watch the diet. Okay. You know, get out of the car every once in a while. Walk. I did that this morning in Akron. I was in a meeting this morning up there. I said, mm-hmm. I said to the driver, I "said Let me out here." And I, I walked three or four or five blocks. You know, the, those are the things that you do. I play pickleball a lot. Hey,
1: Bernie, can I okay. play consultant for for ten sure. seconds? One of the things that Governor Rhodes was famous for. So you're, you you may hate me for this. Uh, is he? He would. Uh, he would spend a night in a, in one of those uh, animal barns at the state fair. <laughs> I don't know if it was where they did the butter sculpture or you know, but. Uh, you know, you might uh, you might pull away some of those rural voters that I'm sure Frank, being a farmer, thinks he's got that <laughs> locked up. You might want to go into one of those places and say, you know what, I'm going to go for the Jim Rhodes uh, uh, constituency.
0: Well, let me, let me let me sort of bring this back because I had one more topic I wanted to talk to you about, and that's that, you know you're a business guy, and you know that means that to some extent you've had to be not even to some extent you've had to be fiscally responsible and spending not only your own money to develop your business, but then. Uh, other investor money, and you're you know you have people to answer for. How do you handle the entitlement problem? That's 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 just looming. It's not even it's not even on the horizon anymore. It seems like it's on us. Whether it's going to be um, uh, uh, social security coming right quick, or whether it's uh, what are
1: we at, uh, Steve? Like thirty three trillion in debt. I mean, it's
0: yeah. I mean, not to mention yeah, the debt, and you know we've we've basically how far can we? How much farther do you think we can go in this country? without ruining it forever financially. And what do we do to fix it?
2: Well, very. if we lose this next election and the Democrats stay in power, we hit the inflection point. It's over. Uh, there's just no way you can't get past that. We're 32 and dollars in debt. We added a trillion dollars in the last 30 days since the debt ceiling was removed a trillion dollars, which is a number that you say, but it doesn't really mean anything. God. Uh, so you got debt service that's about a trillion dollars a year right now, that's just interest, that's not interest in principle, that's just like making your minimum payment on your credit card. So
0: our our debt service alone is a trillion. A year. A year.
2: Yeah, think about that for a second. Think about your own personal finances, right, where you're, uh, and our GDP is about 20, so you're talking about one twentieth of your income is just the interest in your credit cards. Uh, that's not sustainable, and it's compounding at a rate four times the way the economy is growing. So our debt's growing at eight uh, percent, and our economy growing at two. So you can see, you just kind of map it out. At some point, uh, by the end of next a decade, we're at almost fifty trillion. By the end of twenty fifty, we're at seventy five trillion. At that point, you hit an inflection point. You just can't come back from that. So we have to fix it. Uh, we have to stop paying people who can work not to work. Yeah. Uh, we're giving about $43,200 to people in benefits not to work. Uh, the people who are making less than that recognize that, by the way. They really know what's going on. They're not They're not stupid, they're very smart, and they know that that's uh, completely unfair and insulting to them. That's why when you go to a restaurant, tip well. Tip really well, because they know they could stay home and make more money, but they're not. Yep. Uh, and by the way, it's a double whammy, right? Because you're not only making the transfer payment, but you're losing the productivity of that person being in the workforce, about yeah. 8 million people in that situation. Wow. So we got we to gotta fix that. We got to grow our economy, encourage business people to invest and grow our economy. That helps as well. Uh, we have to make priorities. What we do in our lives every day, I can't do this and that. So I'm only going to do this. Uh, we have to run the government more efficiently. My uh, com- uh, tech company that I started, uh, makes car titles digital. We're in West Virginia as our main client that we started with. Uh, we're saving them tens of millions of dollars just because we made car titles instead of being paper, being digital. So we can save a lot of money in, in uh, the way we run the government. We wow. just never really looked at that before. Lots of opportunities. Uh, but we gotta, get, we gotta have, here's ultimately what we need. We need serious people to tackle these serious problems. And if you send career politicians, it's, you know, somebody looks at it and goes, well, keep, why are you saying such, is that a a slur? It is in a sense that if all you're thinking about is your political career, you're not really there to solve the problem. So when you have people that are there to serve the country to solve the problem, then that's how things get fixed. Yeah, 100%. I
1: agree. You know, I was thinking 15 dealerships, you have a ton of people I would imagine that don't have college degrees that are earning a good living
2: in that uh, consortium. Oh, technicians, salespeople, valets, car wash guys, porters, drivers, service advisors. I would say if we would call it 1200 team members, I never called them employees, 1200 team members, I'd say 80% of them didn't have a college degree. That's
1: fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that's that whole micro thing. I saw where JD just introduced some kind of bill or some kind of uh, some, some effort and and I know he endorsed you uh, for your for your run for U.S. Cong- for, for U.S. Senate, um, and he's big on that. Yeah. It, it, this thing where we're underwriting kids who make the college choice to the detriment, really. I mean, we're not buying uh, vans. Uh, and saws and plumbing tools for boys and girls that want to go into the trades. And it seems unfair to me. If we're going to have socialism and we we support the kids that go to college and end up being professors, doctors, lawyers, accountants, and all that stuff, but we're not doing anything to really bring up the kids that want to have those blue-collar jobs. And that's fundamentally unfair. I no, think. to some extent, we're even shaming them, right? That shaming there's something them. wrong with yeah, you. Discourage discourage yeah, you just a
2: just plumber. Oh, my gosh, you're a plumber. Right. Right? I'm a gender studies major. Well, the plumber <laughs> makes you know five, six, seven times as much money as either. a gender studies major Your diesel, major diesel mechanics are making oh, a good living. My, no, te- like... my technicians, I never call them mechanics. Te- technicians, we're all, we're all making uh, six figures. That's fantastic. Uh, doing very, very well, working hard. Uh, but look at the student debt forgiveness. All that's doing, this is what's not told about that story. What that Forget the normal part of the story, which is why would one group of people pay somebody else's debt off? And uh, the bigger part of the story is it lets the colleges and universities off the hook. They will use that to raise their tuition. Sure. They're the ones that aren't delivering. Uh, you look at the history of Pell Grants in America. Every time Pell Grants expanded, college tuitions went up. You have places like the university, uh, Ohio State University, you have 162 diversity, equity, inclusion officers. What do they do all day? Harvard, Harvard, ready for this one. Harvard has more administrators than students. Oh my God. So where's our our money going? Where's this debt coming? How does somebody leave a university when we have Pell Grants with tens of thousands of dollars in debt? Because the colleges do not care whether that student fails or succeeds or not. When I was involved in Cuyahoga Community College, I went there when I first started they wanted me to donate all kinds of money i had no money i mean i had my change drawer was my working <laughs> capital right uh but i found out uh, about Tri-C later and wanted to help the graduation rate for black kids in that school was 1% 1% graduation or completion rate insane but they'd have all kinds of beautiful galas and beautiful new buildings anyway might make a long story short my wife and i wanted to help because we think education is the core of equality And so we we went there and studied the topic, went to Tri-C with a plan, backed it up with $100,000 that they had to spend every year to help these students. We got 425 kids through Tri-C at an eighty-four percent graduation rate, wow. mostly black yeah. and Hispanic kids. Yeah. How'd
0: you do it? What'd you what you focus on?
2: You fix all the little problems. It's the same way when you go into when I I, I wasn't ever in a position to buy successful dealerships. <laughs> I, never, right, I couldn't afford up. them. I couldn't afford them. Yeah, so a, I bought so unsuccessful like, yeah, dealerships, uppers, right? right. Yeah. And fix your hoppers. Well, the weeds are growing in the parking <laughs> lot, right? Uh, they They don't sell a lot of cars. The salespeople <laughs> look like they had all nighters. Uh, they didn't answer their phones. Automated attendance. Press one for sales. Press super service. First indication the place is terrible. Uh, you can't get a hold of the dealer. Uh, those are the things I looked for. And then the other one was when you walked in uh, and you say, this seems crazy. Go, oh, yeah, that's how we always do it. That's the that's the first sign of a broken system. So th- we did all those little things. I'll give you a one nugget, easy one, right? To, to uh, In college, in these uh, community colleges, a lot of it's first generation college students. So they require a birth certificate to kind of enroll in some... Um, Uh, your test scores, your report cards, you know, package of paperwork. Parents don't know how to provide that to their kids. Uh, So a lot of times the kids just give up and then uh, don't enroll or they drop out pretty quickly because they don't have a a support structure to help them there. So what we do is we, we included something called intrusive advising. The other thing is they can say to you, I wanna be a lawyer, right? You wanna be a lawyer, that's fantastic. I hate reading. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> One of those two things has to change, yeah. right? Or right. I, I want to be a doctor. I can't stand the sight of blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to be a business major, but I can't pass calculus. Now, whether you believe calculus is important in business or not, it's a requirement in our state system. So, what? Well, I'll give you the example at CSU. At CSU, where I was the chair of the board, we w- used to require calculus at any point during a student's career. So somebody could go five and a half years as a business student, and the second semester of their fifth year to graduate, they still can't pass calculus. Guess what? Start all over. Oh, my God. God. So now what we do is what makes sense is you have to take calculus in your first year. Mm. And if you fail it, you get a counselor that says, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah. Maybe you need to be a communications major or something else because if you that's a requirement to be a business major. Those are the common sense things, but nobody cared. The whole institution w- didn't that the the success of the student was not even something that they even thought about, let wow. alone focused on.
0: The other thing that, that was remarkable about what you said is not to not to sneeze at what you were doing, but it was only 100,000. You know, because you hear of like people buying stadiums or uh entire uh, departments yeah they want their millions. name on something yeah. but you so, gave
2: money to do things
1: to do things, and it right.
0: wasn't that much in in, in what well, was it 100
2: grand a year for five years no but, i got yeah, it but yeah.
0: you know there's people that give to, uh, 20 million or millions of dollars yeah. and it does nothing no uh, no, then, no
2: it's, it's not true it pays for 142 diversity equity well, and right. Right. so <laughs> i guess my
0: point is like you took you took a a a reasonable investment into a, a, a college and you made it Effective. Well, like, the ROI like, is high, a
2: hundred percent. And the right. other part of it could be, that's, by that's the way, what yeah, yeah. The, the ROI. Well, the other part of the where the money was used for is, let's say the the, the kid needed two grand uh, to complete college, just couldn't find it, right? So that we filled in that gap to close that gap, so they could go do that instead of going out and getting a job. Because you know what happens once yeah, they leave right. the system, yeah, you're not going back. You're not going no, back. Not, right? No,
3: no. no. It's yeah.
2: very hard
1: to go back after you. You know, now you're paying for your own apartment. You bought a beater car. You can get around, and yeah, you got some you, pocket change. You got some date you know? date money, and you know yeah. that uh, job uh, at Amazon. Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah, and
2: I'll give you another example. So my wife, uh, uh, who's amazing, uh, she mentored these kids from sixth grade uh, all the way through college, mostly black kids that she met at, when she was over at Breakthrough. And one particular one calls her. She, he was going to OSU freshman year. Calls her, says, "Hey, I'm dropping out." And he goes, what do you mean dropping out? And she goes, I'm dropping out. She goes, where are you right now? She literally says, where are you right now? He goes, well, I'm at at home. I'm going to come see you. Turns out the mom had been paying rent perfectly. She was a nurse. So she had a good job paying rent. But the water bill, that's a whole other situation, by the way. These people in these poor communities get totally crushed by a lot of different things. The water bill was more than in my house. And this is a small little two-bedroom house. My house is bigger. Her water bill is five times what my water bill was. What the Hadn't paid it for two years. Okay. And so now the landlord was evicting her. So he felt he needed to be the man of the house, come in and help the mom. So I I negotiated the deal with the the landlord. Uh, I think the bill was like $1,800. We paid the water bill for them. As a result of us paying that $1800 water bill for that mom, this kid graduated from OSU now. That's he's got great. a great job and he's got a bright future. $1800. Yeah. And he can
0: pay a water bill for his mom forever. $1800. Right. You yeah. see what yeah. I mean? So yeah.
2: what's the ROI? What would that kid's life have looked like? Yeah. Had he not gone to OSU, right? Gone back into the neighborhood and who knows yeah. even if he'd be alive today. $1800. You get these nonprofit CEOs you know, do your research on that. That will blow your mind. These guys who run these nonprofits are making five, six, seven, eight hundred, a million dollars a year, crazy to mind. help poor people. Yeah, think right. about that for a second. Yeah, and Cleveland, the Cleveland Foundation just built a new multi-million-dollar, state-of-the-art headquarters.
0: So you know, it's a, you, you've you've given us a couple examples that make perfect sense, and it's sort of like I know it when I see it. But you know, there's this meandering line here of where do the curves cross on giving somebody something. Versus giving somebody like teaching a man to fish versus giving him a fish, and you know the examples you gave are very individually focused, and it makes sense if you're in, if you have if you have the ability to give that individual focus. But uh, is there how do you, how do you scale that up? I guess is the question.
2: Well, you have to give the universities the incentives to say your job is to get these kids to complete school, get a job, and improve their their situation. So if you're uh, starting out at ability to make forty grand, we're going to graduate you and you can make eighty. Like that, they should be measured on that level of success. Of course, intellectual development is an important part of it, but they're they're completely not focused on anything other than growing their staffs. You know, these uh, these presidents, these universities make obscene amounts of money. Yeah, a lot of times they're fired or let go, and they still get a full salary for three, four, yeah, five, six years. Off. Damn. And by by the way, sometimes forever. That just happened he... at Ohio State.
1: Yeah. The yeah. lady's leaving early, and she's getting paid off. And there's a. Uh,
2: uh, you know non-disclosure agreement. Right. Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts teaches one class at Harvard. One class at Harvard makes $600,000 a year. Oh yeah, come on. So he said so, totally so yeah, understand. forgive student debt that we caused.
3: Oh, wow. yeah. yeah.
2: Right? That's wow. like that buy here pay here lo- car lot. Wow. That's charging 30% interest and charging, you know, yeah. $700 a month for the $5,000 car and saying, hey, pay off these people's loans. Right? Yeah. Bernie, <laughs> so like,
1: I, I got to ask, uh, just, I know you could probably yeah, got to get running,
2: but I, I, I final
1: question for me, at least. Um, do you have any strong feelings about this issue one? You know, taking Frank aside, he's pushing that and all that. I'm in favor of it. I know, I, I think Steve is. I, I'm not sure Brett has a, a definitive, but the idea of, of having to have... Um, uh, 60 you know 60 percent uh of the electorate uh back a change to our state constitution kind of mirrors the federal you know that you need more than 50 percent of the states to approve an amendment so i see the logic and in it and it prevents saturation advertising to change people's mind by outside interests i do i am a little uncomfortable with the idea that ohio has always been 50 percent now we're going to 60 mm-hmm. so i I, I have a little discomfort, but I intellectually understand why we're doing it.
2: No, I think I th- I'm going to vote for issue one. I think you everybody are. should you vote are. for issue one. Okay, I think it's about 100 about protecting our constitution. Okay, uh, you know, so not- just
1: you're 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 not reflexively oh Frank's for no, it. then no, I mean yeah that no, that no, bullshit. No.
2: That's the kind of politics that's, that yeah. people are sick of. No, right. I, I think at the end of the day. Uh, The one thing I would knock Frank on is that he said it's 100 percent about abortion, which has screwed up the messaging because it's 100 percent about protecting the Constitution. I agree. Uh, It should have been done a long time ago. I agree. I I don't love that it's being done in August. I think it should have been done again many years ago during the normal election cycle. Uh, But that doesn't mean because the process to get here may not have been perfect and that maybe it's overdue yeah. doesn't make the actual vote bad. Yeah, it's still, so a, good idea. Uh, still a good idea. Yeah. It should be 60%. Citizen initiatives can still be 50%. You still have the right to elect your officials that come to Columbus to make laws. Uh, so it's just a good government measure uh, that's, again, common sense.
0: Okay. One last thing. So what's the campaign like in this new day and age? Now, we like to think that podcasts are controlling the campaign, but it seems like it, it's got to be e- – maybe it's easier, maybe it's harder. Uh, you know, you're not just on paying for commercials. Here you are in our studio uh, in Columbus, and you were in Akron before. Uh, how has this, this sort of new media platform changed the game?
2: Podcasts are huge. I mean, it's uh, people, uh, especially younger people, do uh, they've unplugged. Uh, they don't have uh, TV. They don't watch TV. Social media has become very noisy. Uh, people like to dig deeper into issues. Uh, I love podcasts because it's not a it's not a two hundred and eighty character comment. Uh, that's a cliche line, a thirty second commercial. You really get to know the person. And, and one of the things that I encourage all voters, whether they're voting for me or anybody else, get to know who you're electing. Who you're electing? Do your job. Don't. This is a job interview. Treat it as an important job interview. Uh, If somebody's coming to work for me, I'm not asking them to give me a a 30-second pitch and then walk out of my office. I want to, who are you? What's your background? I need to be able to look into your heart, look into your soul and say, do you believe the things that you're saying or is this just, you're just trying to get elected? Uh, I think it's really important for voters to get to know who I am, who Frank is, who Matt is, and by the way, who Sherrod is. And like I said, the Democrats unfortunately don't go through that process. Uh, they've 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 it's been self selected for them. Yeah. You guys all yeah. have debates. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, look. Last call to action. Uh, how do they get to your website and uh, learn more about you, Bernie?
2: Yeah. So, uh, social media at Bernie Marino on Twitter. Some some amazing hot takes on the, on my Twitter account. <laughs> 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 it's just me, by the way. If you're wondering who wrote that, <laughs> that was me. Um, all right. And then uh, at the website bernie marino m o r e n o dot com. Uh, you know, if, if they like what they heard today, uh, they can contribute $5, $10, $15. If they really like what they heard, they can contribute maybe 100 If you didn't like
0: anything I said, my name is Frank LaRose. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, look, with that, we're going to wrap it up. I won't go into the uh, long, typical outro, but you can still check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com. Send us questions, send us thoughts, send us concerns. Check out Norm's blog, and Norm loves everybody, as always. And, I do. And here we are, right from the middle, Common Sense Ohio.